Pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later. The Homest Army proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about. Trek West 5 is brought to you in part by RocketWebDesign.com, custom web design at template website prices. Designs by DD.blogspot.com, your online home for all your digital scrapbooking needs. Need a home along the Wasatch Front? Contact Lisa DeBagere with Kirkham & Friends Real Estate. No one will work harder for your home. And thehomestarmy.com, blogging to the world since 2004. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to podcast movie special, Sabrina. I am Peter. And I am Joey. And uh, welcome back, everyone. And uh, I just want to first say, really sorry that the email went out like Friday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> so we didn't really invite anyone to participate in this. I mentioned it on Facebook. Yeah, that's true. But uh, we, we still feel bad anyway. Um, Joey tried to send out an email, but um, inevitably it was wrong. <laughs> Which is, I think, what he was going for anyway. I, I want specific criticisms, though. <laughs> how, how, how exactly did I do it wrong? Actually, you did it right, which is disappointing, <laughs> because my expectation is that you do things wrong. Yeah. So that's how you did it wrong, is by doing it right. You know, here's how well you have me trained. My wife, you know, we were talking about something, and I went to get food for myself from the, you know, the, the tray at the stove. My wife said, do you want me to do that? I said... What's the matter? Am I just going to do it wrong? <laughs> and she said, why would you say such a thing? <laughs> I, said, I don't know. I guess Pete's just got me trained. <laughs> we really need to get some separations in there. Like, I am not your wife. I am not interchangeable as her. No, she is not. not interchangeable as me. Because she doesn't verbally abuse me. <laughs> to your face anyway. <laughs> um, okay, Joey, any any announcements, anything you want to bring up, talk about? No, it's just, it's been a crazy week. This was probably one of the worst weeks I have had in a couple of years. This was bad. Now, we, yours, you actually had a good reason. Mine was just, just weird. Just weird things popped up that normally aren't my problem, that I had to handle other people's problems for them. So. Yeah. It seems like that happens to you. Yeah. But now that I'm in IT, it's going to happen a lot more often. <laughs> That's your job. <laughs> uh, no, mine was because we we moved our servers to a new data center. And apparently everything that could have gone wrong in that move went wrong. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you, you want to give, me the, give you the nightmare scenario? I, the <laughs> machines you. actually made it there. So you're already one leg up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway... You know, there, there was, you know, just dealing with a lot of people who hadn't bothered to pay attention to our email, which apparently, we didn't send it out until the day before. Nice. And that was only at my insistence <laughs> that it be sent out. And so, um, yeah, just 
crazy, crazy, crazy mess. To the point that I, I just said over I am today, I hate everyone and everything. <laughs> I, it was just, anyway, it's over. It's hopefully done with. I get to move on. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, okay, I've got uh, Aaron. What about Aaron? We didn't mention that he's here. Oh, there he is. <laughs> uh, JD. Okay. Sent in an email. Now, you may not remember yeah, JD. No, I remember. The, the, the great missing JD. Yeah. The dude went missing. Where did, they, where did he go? What's going on with him? Or did he just say... You know what? I'm I'm out with Babylon Five. <laughs> no thanks, fellas. You know he didn't ever just he didn't say anything. He just sort of went goodbye. I'm like he wasn't on Facebook anymore. Yeah, even like he's the one who started it. Way to abandon us. <laughs> uh, oh, too funny. Um, anyway, he sent in a couple of emails. Okay. So the first one is entitled "Stinging." Hey guys. Joey is right about My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Yes. And Peter is right about gambling. <laughs> I hold a fundamental opposition to it. JD. That's it. That's it. No. Short email. <laughs> but it's an email. It is. It's yes. an email. It's, it's progress. We, we've got him back. He sent in a second email. This one's subject is, so... <laughs> so what's next for Track Quest 5? Is it going to keep on keeping on? I haven't seen The Sting, but I intend to. It's on my list of movies to see before I die, which is a long list. I have seen Butch Cassidy and The Sundance Kid, which is amazing. JD. Uh, Sting was good. I don't know if you caught our uh, you know, our podcast about it. We enjoyed it. Um, well, clearly he did because he sent an email about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so what's next for Trek Quest Five? Do we want to announce yeah, that now? Yeah, we do. Are we prepared to announce this it, it's now? It's actually been pre-announced on Facebook. Okay. We're going to be doing Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. But are we show. actually going to start? Yes. Because last week you are like... Uh, We're not going to start... I don't feel like getting into Studio 60. We're not going to start next week because there will be no recording next week. Right. That's right. You had something to do with your family yep. or your... So we will, we will be doing the second half of the Dueling Bookcast. Right. And we will start on the... What does that make it? The 16th? 17th? 16th? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we're headed over to Studio 60 in Sunset Strip. And then after that, we're going to do Firefly and Serenity. And from there, the sky's the limit. Maybe all salsa music all the time. <laughs> we'll just put out a podcast of salsa music. <laughs> we could do that in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be terrible. Um, all right, I had uh, something else. Okay, I want to bring. You asked me a question. We had dinner tonight. I made dinner for everybody: leek and potato soup. It was delicious. It was tasty. It was. Not enough pepper. I I needed I, more I was, pepper. I was okay with it. I mean, I could have taken more, but I was okay with what you Yeah, what you it wasn't me. hitting me at the back of the throat like it should have been. But maybe that was because I had too many potatoes in it. Okay. Maybe. Anyway, you asked me a question while we were sitting at the table. Do you remember the question? I don't. It had something to do with my armpits. Oh, yes. You were wearing a shirt, and only the left armpit of the shirt was pink. Right. And I said there was a good reason for that, and I wanted to <laughs> share that reason... So here we go. 
He's putting on some kind of shirt. That's a 49ers jersey. Don't know who number 52 is. Uh, name help you? Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis. So my old roommate, who um, got married, moved away. He comes by from time to time. He's like, "Yeah, I've got a class here. I just want to crash on a, you know, on Thursday night, so I don't have to drive back home." He's like, "Hey, I got this like really cheap. This is the stuff that they actually wear. So it's this is like, jersey. yeah, this is you know put out by the NFL. This is the real deal." And he's like, "I got it real cheap. Here, I'll give it to you." I'm like, nice. "Awesome." I didn't just take it. I said, "Look, you've got to take some money for this." So I gave him a twenty, but I. I wore this today to work. Oh, to work. To work. Very nice. Matter of fact, I had customer client meeting today. <laughs> I was dressed pretty much like this. That would have been more awesome. <laughs> no, not the pajamas. I was wearing jeans, thankfully. But uh, yeah, I loving this thing. It is too big for me. Probably would fit you okay. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I love it. I have a Peyton Manning official NFL jersey that my wife gave me a few years back for Christmas. Uh-huh. I love that as well. Yeah. Uh, anyway, wanted to share? Cool, yeah. Okay, so where do we go next? Facebook find of the week? Facebook find of the week. Okay. I, I, I think the winner is Claire. <laughs> uh, there was some good stuff. I, I don't want to denigrate any of the other offerings that were, were given. But the, uh, the, the picture of Ivanova... Dancing around the Lumati from Babylon Five, and it says, "Still, be- still a better love story than Twilight." <laughs> that gets my vote. All right, so congratulations, Carbonite Man. Um, now that JD's back, he should join the group again. We're handing out prizes. I bet he could come up with some good yeah. stuff. Win a prize. You um, know, I, I did want to mention, uh, just as a honorable mention here, I really appreciated the article that Dean. Sent about men who like My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Oh, jeez. Well, no, I don't know if you actually went and followed and read through the article. I read through about a third of it. And I was like, I, I cannot do this. I cannot, <laughs> cannot continue with this any longer. You couldn't take it seriously? No. The interesting thing was, as you got down into the comment threads, uh, you know, I, I read through the article and read down to the comment threads, and there's somebody in the comment thread who said, you know, this is all just an excuse for a bunch of internet geeks who aren't real men to say they like My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. There's not a real man on the face of the earth who likes My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Something to that effect. And it was immediately followed by posts from several members of the United States military, including a guy who said he's in special forces and served in Desert Storm, Desert Shield, and the Afghani conflict, and said, I like My Little Pony. I've killed men. And I like My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. You're going to tell me I'm not a real man? <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't. I would, did he really say, I've killed men. I like My Little Pony. I don't believe he said it exactly like that, but that was the tone of the of, of the message that he sent. And there were several, several members posting the same thing. And then it, it all went downhill when it was followed by another person saying, yeah, you know, I like My Little Pony too. Following one of the, <laughs> replying to one of the members of the military. By the way, thanks for all you're doing for our country, bro. Hoof. Oh. <laughs> like, all right, you just oh. paid that whole thread. Oh. <laughs> Way to go, idiot. 
bro hook, bro Terrible. <laughs> Aaron, where do you weigh in on the My Little Pony thing? I think you're an outside observer here. You Have you watched it? My Little Pony Friendship is Magic? Uh, I've seen bits of it with your daughter. What do you think of it? I got nothing against it. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, the deer in the headlights look that you were giving me? Like, Did you what? not listen to last week's what? podcast yet? I haven't, no. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, it was Joey's culture corner last week, and I got some grief for it. <laughs> well, I saw the Facebook thing. I just haven't got iTunes running on my new computer yet. And no, I'm not going to call you Broy. <laughs> don't, you don't need to call me Brony. Brony, that's what it was. <laughs> my daughter, I don't know if you saw that, is now telling people I'm a Brony. <laughs> my dad's a Brony. <laughs> Like, honey, shh, shh. <laughs> don't give away daddy's secret. <laughs> so terrible. Um, okay. We have, oh, let's see here. Do we have darkness this week? We do. All right. Yeah. Um, let's see here. He covers a bit about Ishmael again, though. So, um... Sorry, we had to take a brief pause. Uh, Brainy Smurf caused us to think too much. <laughs> Thanks a lot, jerk. We're not used to having to think on the podcast. We uh, think all week so that when we come to the podcast, we don't have to anymore. <laughs> we, uh, he sent in an email for Brainy's Nook of Darkness uh, of Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. Now, he covered this a couple weeks ago, February 17th is when he sent that last email in where he covered Ishmael. And we read that. Yeah. I, I know we read that. I, I remember it as well. Anyway, he says, uh, for reasons unknown, Pete omitted this suggestion from the misspelled dueling bookcast of Two Weeks Your. Uh, probably referencing the title that I misspelled yes. in the podcast. You you could have fixed that. Thanks a lot for not <laughs> doing it, jerk. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> And he says, therefore, I am sending it again, because it's for my brain nation. Uh, Pete can't keep us down. He can, however, choose not to read any given nook. So let's just be thankful that he's willing to continue with his amazing I was going to say, you're making all of this up. Of this week's installment of Brainy's Nook of Darkness. I'm not making any of this oh, up. That's, that's actually in there. <laughs> yeah, it's right at the top. I'm not making this up. I, I was impressed by your <laughs> improvisational skills there. <laughs> Dang it, I just revealed the man behind the, <laughs> the curtain. Anyway, so his first one, two, three, four, five paragraphs basically covers what he sent in the first time. So I'm sorry, Brainy. I, we're not going to reread that. It's we did, long. We, it, it, it's in the book cast. Yeah. So, but the other part is new. So we're going to read that part. Okay. So it picks up with this question. Cain versus Abel. Out for blood? What really happened? Was it in ancient Samaria? And now I ask you dudes, if you'll allow it, why did God so favor Abel over Cain? Was it a matter of humility? Uh, was God trying to send his nation a message? Was it really because of the sacrificial elements? Was maybe Kosh involved in this murderous tale? <laughs> yes, but what else? <laughs> Kosh was involved, huh? 
He was meddling for a long time, Joey. <laughs> uh, you, you can't deny that. You can't. I don't believe I tried to. All right. What do the sacred texts major, of the major world religions say? Here is my unresearched short list of motivations. Christians. The Bible, Genesis 4-2, depicts a motive of jealousy for murder. Um, God gives Abel um, a high five for his sacrifice. Abel was a shepherd, uh, hunter-slash-gatherer. Cain tilled the land, agriculture. Cain is super peeved over God's favor for Abel over him, leading to murder. Um, Jews. I think that the Madras covers, um, I'm sorry, is that Midrash or Midrash? Midrash, I think. We're going to go with Midrash. <laughs> I apologize to any of you Jews out there. Offers an explanation involving chicks. Cain's envy is for Abel's fiance. Okay. I did not know that one. Well, that's a new one to me. And well, She's a hottie. Maybe. Why not? What? You, you just stifled something. It's his sister. <laughs> Thanks for pointing out that awkwardness. <laughs> you were the one saying she's a hottie. <laughs> I'm not going to defend that. I'm not yeah. even going to try and defend that. So, so you're okay with Abel, but not with Cain, huh? <laughs> That's not me. It was Joey who had the problem. Uh, Mormons. Uh, is that the plural form, or is it acceptable to use more men uh, when I am just referring to you dudes? Is that a running LDS joke? I can't say I'd ever heard it before. More men? More men. Uh -uh. I've heard, uh, oh yeah, I'm more man than you are. <laughs> I've heard that one before. Uh, no, just Mormons is fine. You know, with Latter-day Saints. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you guys, I would also respond to. People doing the podcast. <laughs> Please correct me if I'm wrong, dudes, but I believe that the book of Moses speaks of a covenant that Cain made with Satan, illustrating the world's first contract killer and killing. <laughs> well, it's kind of a slightly skewed view of that, but I, for the most part, he, you know, he covenanted with Satan to be able to go and do this for gain. He was yes. trying to get gain. Uh, Muslims. I think that Muhammad's interpretation is super interesting. Found in an early chapter of the Quran is a succinct passage regarding the infamous brothers, jealousy, excess, and shame. It was Cain's jealousy that led him to react in excess, resulting in shame. Cool. Ishmael. The uh, contention of Daniel Quinn is that God provided a very meta-choice between farming and hunting-slash-gathering lifestyles. The later creates harmony with the land, while big agriculture conveys a sense of exploitative dominance over Mother Earth. And that starts to explain why the world is sometimes quite a bummer. But fret not, there is hope. We always have the possibility that Trek West 5 will start covering science fiction again. <laughs> Winking emoticon. <laughs> Wink! <laughs> and so, nation, I will make this simple. I have often been accused of thinking too much. 
If you have also fallen victim to the people around you debasing your deep thoughts, or maybe you uh, were just uh, insultingly intelligent, then read Ishmael. But if you are, one, the people whom accuses others of thinking too much, then stay away and go read Twilight or something. <laughs> Thanks for all your collective awesomeness, dudes. Shout out to Perry and Sabrina, wherever they still be fish or have moved on to the other form. Holla. <laughs> what? My goldfish. My kid's goldfish that died. Oh, right. Was, was that fish named after Sabrina from the movie Sabrina? No, I don't think so. Oh, what a... I'm disappointed. Our fish died. Both of them? Yeah. Or were killed... <laughs> We're now on our third Perry. <laughs> Perry the third? Perry the third, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Brainy, uh, thanks very much for uh, sending that in. I enjoyed, um, even though it was a duplicate submission, I enjoyed it yet again. Yeah. Because he brought some new stuff in. Yes, it. absolutely. Okay. I guess that moves us on to Joey's Culture Corner. Okay. Uh, for Joey's Culture Corner, I'm going to cover a book called 1Q84. It is oh, written by... From Star Trek The Next Generation. No, it is not from Star Trek The Next oh. Generation. But it's got the word Q in it. It does. It's got the, the letter Q in it. Fair enough. Uh, the story takes place in 1984, and one of the main characters believes that she's been sucked into an alternate reality. And instead of calling it 1984, she calls it 1Q84 because she has one question. Basically, how did this happen? Okay. Um, it's a book on several levels that, and I should say, it's written by Huraki Murakami. <laughs> See? I probably butchered that. It's <laughs> not so easy, is it? <laughs> um, I, I, have, I have to say, I think it probably, there might be a cultural gap here, because I didn't, I didn't enjoy the book. It's selling like hotcakes. It, it was number one seller on Amazon.com for a little while, and it's been on the New York Times bestsellers list. I didn't care for it. I, I thought it was... It was okay. I, I had a big problem with the fact that she spent... Or I, I'm guessing it's a she. That might be a he. <laughs> the, the author... author. <laughs> well done. Spent a uh, significant amount of time retelling us things that they had already told us. So they when they would talk about a character's backstory, every time they... So the, the, the chapters alternate between two characters' points of view. And it alternates back and forth. So you go from the male character to the female character. And they're going to give you a little bit of the female character's backstory. They're going to remind you of everything they've already told you in the previous chapters about that female character's backstory. Well, to be fair, you are really dumb. <laughs> That's true. But how did they know that? Okay. You, you got me on that logical point. Anyway, I, I, I won't say too much about the book because it does kind of have a a surprise or a twist kind of at the end. So I don't want to spoil it for anybody. I say for myself, thumb, thumb down. Um, Didn't care for the book. Yeah, I, I remember when the book The Alchemist okay. came out. Do you remember that? Yeah. I don't know if you read it or not. I did never read that one. Everybody was like going nuts over this book. I read it because, well, frankly, it was short. <laughs> and uh, I was like, really? What's the big deal? This is like philosophy that's like vague about so many different things yeah i just 
I didn't get it, but that's okay. Clearly, you didn't get it either. Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously missing whatever whatever it is that everyone else is enjoying so much. Okay, all right. Um, I guess we move into the movie. We move into the movie. Now, what movie do we want to start with? I think we start with the 1995 one. The 95 one, but 1990, 1954 came first. Yes, but you watched the 1995 one. I also watched the 54 one. Not really. You were up cooking soup. That was the second time I had seen that movie. Oh, okay. So I have seen it before. We can start with the 1954 one. Why don't you go? Okay. Uh, I so I I took the job of watching the 1954 one, um, and made made a few notes here. Uh, just starting off overall, Pete, what were your impressions of the 1954 version? I liked it. Okay. Um, there were a few things that. Really, I don't think have aged well, you know, and I think they're they're cultural types of things, you know, the stereotypes that, you know, women and men carried at, at sure. that time period. Um, but I, I will say this, I love Maude. Yeah. In both of them. I thought, I, I really enjoyed the parents. I, I, I thought she was great. And the, okay. the father specifically in the first one, the 54 one. And uh, the mother more so in the, in the second the, one, the '95 one. But both were were very good. Aaron, what do you think? Did you watch the 1954 one? Uh, no, the copy I got was in French, so. <laughs> well, it makes sense. Why, why not? Um, you know, while we're on the topic of mod, does anybody name their kid mod nowadays? I don't think so. Is that just a dead name? I, th- I think that's one that's. Fun. You know, we ought to look it up on Google Trendalyzer and see uh, where it's gone. Yeah, that would be interesting because I, I bet it's not getting used anymore. Yeah, there, there's a few, you know, that you don't hear a lot of Horatios running around anymore. <laughs> Horatio. <laughs> <laughs> At one time, that was a huge name, right? It just reminds me of the, uh, oh gosh, the... CSI Miami. Uh, Andy Griffith Show. The Andy Griffith Show. Thank you. Um, where <laughs> Andy is trying to teach Opie about, you know, this guy, um, a ratio. He's trying to teach him about ratios. And he's getting confused and thinking, oh, poor Horatio. <laughs> Just made me think about that. <laughs> and Andy was, like, getting so frustrated and angry. I don't think I've seen that one, Pete. No, you're missing out. Point Dexter. There's another name you don't hear a lot anymore that was at one time a pretty common name. Is it? Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, um, so just to start at the beginning of the movie, I really like the the way that Audrey Hepburn introduces the story. You know, And I thought there was actually a, a little clever piece in there where they say, you know, there's even one person dedicated to take care of the fish. Uh, that they, that they have really there. just trying to sell the opulence that these people, you know, that that world that those people yeah. live in. I, I, clearly, my family needs someone just to take care of the fish, <laughs> so we can quit killing them. <laughs> oh, so you admit you are killing them? <laughs> Not intentionally, but clearly something I'm doing. Uh, uh, so you know, you go into seeing Audrey Hepburn, who at the beginning looks very much like a child. Uh, the way they have her dressed, she's super cute. Absolutely, you will get no complaints from me. I, I've often been quoted as saying 
it's, that's the definition of beauty. Audrey Hepburn. I mean specifically as the the as younger the young? Sabrina. Okay. When she comes back in both of them, I think eh, eh, lost a little bit. <laughs> Interesting. But that's because well, in the second one, she cuts her hair off. Yeah. And eh. instead of styling it. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently the only option is to cut. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, it's a French thing. But so so you know we see her as a. a... <laughs> I like Aaron, our French consultant here. <laughs> Congratulations! You just added something new to your title and resume for Trek Quest Five. <laughs> our French correspondent. You, you know you have this whole thing with the guy putting the wine glasses in. Oh. Back pockets of his pants. Who does that? What? Where is, I don't even know. Like, clearly, some writer somewhere saw that happen or something. I don't think that's something somebody comes up with. And who would want to drink out of <laughs> that, like a glass that comes out of someone's back pocket? <laughs> I know. This is romantic. Pocket lint. <laughs> yeah, see how it's, uh, you know, around the glass? Well, I guess if you're that rich, you have someone to, like, check your pockets and make sure there's no lint in them. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> no, isn't lint kind of an invention of, uh, a byproduct of dryers? Like the tumble dry cycle? I don't know. That's an excellent Stump Jared question. Oh, yeah. I'll have to remember that one. <laughs> um, but, so, we see her watching over the fence, and she... She's seen this thing happen many times. She's watched, you know, uh, David woo these women, take them to this particular spot. I don't know why you'd want to go watch that. If you're in love with David, why are you going to go watch him? Clearly, she's a voyeur. Okay. A little disturbed. Oh, she almost gets hit in the head with a champagne cork for her pain. <laughs> yeah. But so she goes back to her, her room... She, we, know, we find out that she's supposed to be going to France. And she goes back to her room and she writes this note. You know, oh, Father, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry for what I'm about to do. Now, I want to say I love the handwriting. The handwriting was beautiful. Oh. I, wish, I wish people had handwriting like that still. That was absolutely a, a, a joy to read. The tone of the message, I could have done without. The emo <laughs> crap, you know, just, just ridiculous. So she goes down and she starts all the, she starts all the cars. And I love the garage. You have this massive garage. How many cars were in there? I think there's like eight, eight cars yeah. in there. And she's going around starting each one. I thought, boy, there's got to be a quicker way to kill yourself than to wait for that huge garage to <laughs> fill up with carbon, di- carbon monoxide so you can asphyxiate. I don't know. But, uh, you know, she, she's saved by Linus, who's, you know, he's coming home to put the car away. and The hero... And and or so is this is he? this is this is Bogart, and I don't know how you feel about Humphrey Bogart. Uh, I haven't really seen much okay uh, of what he's done, um, but I, I just want to say this: my mother hated Linus, hmm. and she just I remember talking to her about when the the nineteen ninety five one came out. She we were somehow got on talking about the fifty four version. And she's like, oh, I hated Linus. He was such a jerk. <laughs> and it's like, it was weird for my mother to have that much emotion regarding some stupid movie. 40 years later? Yes! <laughs> that was very, a little weird. Yeah, that does, that does seem a little odd. Uh, I, you know, I've seen, I've seen Bogey, and I think sometimes he's, he's, sometimes he's good. It's hit or miss. You know, there, there have been things where I'm like, 
boy, that guy is just overacting. Horribly overacting. Yeah, sucked it up in Casablanca. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen that one. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, so the, I, just, I get a laugh every time out of the scene where she's trying to hide from him. So she goes underneath the car. He gets down on the ground. He looks underneath the car and he's like, hi, Serena. Come on out from there. And so what does she tell him? Well, my dad was afraid one of the spark plugs fell out. <laughs> <laughs> she thought it was weird that a chauffeur's daughter doesn't know cars any better than I do. Because that sounds like something I would come up with. <laughs> spark plugs, those fall out, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You get a little <laughs> grease on them, they'll just slide right out. <laughs> you, you, see, you have to climb underneath the car and look up and see the spark, missing spark plug. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. I, I, got a, I, I get a real laugh out of that every time. Uh, so she she goes to France, and I, I have to say, of the two storylines, I much prefer that she's going to France to learn cooking than she's going from to France to be someone's fashion gopher, I guess, mm -hmm. is what it was. Um, I, I love the cooking classes and, and the experience that she goes through there. You know, you got the you got the guy, new egg, you know, one, two, three, crack, new egg. Can you crack an egg that way, by the way? Yeah. Okay. I think everybody can crack an egg that way. I don't. My wife can't. I don't get why it took so much teaching to crack an egg. Or lesson one, how to boil water. Not just lesson one, but the first day, how to correctly uh, boil water. That, I mean, that's that is our perception of French cuisine, right? Is that they're that frou frou, so to speak. Well, let's ask our French correspondent, Aaron. Is that really how French cooking is done? They are very proof for about it. Well, have you seen the, have you seen the you good episode about uh, Rue? Uh, uh, it talks about Rue and how, you know, like a master, like the seventh level master chefs can detect like 20 different variation colors of, of Rue. What episode are you talking about? one of the sauce ones yeah you're talking about good eats yes oh okay i well i okay <laughs> i uh, thank you as our french uh, consultant but uh, you know so one of the things i wanted to talk about in that whole cooking thing was she writes a letter home and she says i'm having trouble with my hollandaise sauce so pete you and i had talked uh -huh. last week i thought that was funny I, I like i didn't even think about that I was asking you if you've ever tried to make a hollandaise sauce. You haven't. No, I and I won't. I don't think I ever will because I've had hollandaise sauce and I don't. I don't think it's that tasty. I don't know that why I would ever go to that much work to make a sauce that really doesn't taste that good. <laughs> my my wife and I had it at IHOP, which is weird because normally I don't come away from <laughs> IHOP going, "Wow, that was an amazing dining experience." <laughs> but we had something with hollandaise on it at IHOP, and I was like, "Wow, that was that was surprisingly good." You know, I think I'm going to go home and try to make hollandaise sauce. <laughs> and I think it took me half a dozen eggs to figure out, this is just not happening. I'm not going to be making hollandaise sauce tonight, for sure. Because it is very hard to get right. Yeah. Um, okay, so we have... Uh, oh, the, <laughs> the exchange is the dad is reading the letters. You know, oh, you know, I don't think of David very much. Oh, that's good. Except for at night. That's bad. <laughs> I tore up my picture of him. That's good. Please send me scotch tape. That's bad. 
Because they don't have Scotch <laughs> tape in, France. in well, France. She doesn't have any money, I guess. <laughs> but I like that little comedy bit that they had going there in the, in the kitchen. Um, I like the uh, the <laughs> very specific instructions to the chauffeur. And he says, oh, it's, you know, it's a beautiful day out this morning, sir. Okay, fine. Roll down two windows and drive 35 miles an hour. <laughs> I, I don't know that I've ever been like, okay, well, if it's a nice day, drive 35. It's a bad day, drive 27. Yeah. It's just oddly specific little bit of dialogue exchange there. Uh, we get a lot of a lot of interaction in the car, which I think we miss in the 1995 version. I was, I, I missed that aspect of you know we get to see Linus in the car, kind of quote unquote at work. He's got a car phone in 1954 that was pretty awesome, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And he's got a little dictaphone machine that he uses to what? send a memo. Little? Okay, well <laughs> that thing was huge. <laughs> I think it was little for the time. <laughs> <laughs> It's like taking up another. Like it was the shape. It was the size of a small child. <laughs> it was about the size of a radio back then. I'd say about this. It was, it, it was, it was pretty big, yeah. And he he leaves a great little note for his brother. You know, I don't know if you remember, but you do work for us. And here's the address to our building. <laughs> and if you're done, then you can collect your pension. And here's how much your pension will be. It was like sixty five dollars or sixty five cents a month or yeah. something like that. <laughs> Which I don't know. Back in nineteen fifty four. Maybe that was a lot of money. I don't, I don't think it was. Okay. 65 cents a month? That No way that that could ever buy you anything. Okay. Well, and it's not like he needs a whole bunch of pocket cash, right? He's one of the wealthiest people in the world. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're now, now we go back to Sabrina and France and, and this relationship with the Baron. Did that bother you at all? Did you think that was weird or creepy or... No, because I didn't get a sense of it being of a romantic nature. Okay. I just... saw it as father or uncle and child. I didn't get a sense of it being romantic either, but I didn't I didn't think about it as a familial bond. I just thought of it as, there's this weird stranger just doing favors for this pretty American girl. That's what and rich... that's when it got weird for me. <laughs> that's what rich people do. Okay. Apparently... When I'm a baron now, I have to find a, a an American wife and, and mentor her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in cooking. Uh, but he had a great line, which I think is probably one of the, the strong themes to come out of the 1954 version, which is, why try to get over love? You speak of love like it's a bad cough. You know, there, so there are... All the characters in the 1954 version are struggling with emotions that they don't know how to handle, how to cope with. And they're, I don't know if it was just cultural at the time or whatever, but they're trying to suppress or change the direction of their emotions that they're having. The, the thing that I found to be stronger than that is the comment that her father made to her before she left, which was the, look, don't dream, don't shoot for the stars. Or don't shoot for the moon. I can't remember the exact line, but it was basically, yeah, stop shooting for up in the air. You're never going to make it. You're a chauffeur's daughter is the essence of what he was saying to her. And she carried that with her into France. And I think that, that the Baron kind of helped to broaden that out to say, why not do it? Why okay. not shoot for 
the moon or the stars, you know? I, I love the, the quote, um, and I think it came from the West Wing. I could be wrong, but uh, I, maybe I'm making that up. Shoot for the, the stars, and it, you know you may not get there, but at least you, you know your feet will drag in the treetops. If you only shoot for the treetops, your feet are just going to drag in the mud. Kind okay. of thing. It sounds a little bit familiar. I horribly butchered that <laughs> that line. That was terrible of me, but I, I like that sentiment. That expand yourself, push out, go further. Her father was holding her back. Okay. Now it was interesting to me to hear that your mother hated Linus because in the 1954 version, I really like Linus. Hmm. And I have to He's say, a jerk. In in both of them, he is a jerk. Is he? Well, by the end. He helps, you know, he's come around a little bit, but still, he's a jerk. Hmm. He he isn't willing to be concerned about her emotions up front. Well, he he clearly doesn't believe in love. He thinks that love is, is something that he can manipulate. I can make her love me. Uh, I think he said, I uh, can't remember exactly how he puts it. I know Harrison Ford says, you know, this got broken in 24 hours. I'll put it back together in 48. Bogey has a similar line. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but he's basically saying, I'm going to make her fall in love with me because that's just something I can do. I, love is not a real thing. I can totally manipulate it and bend it to my will. But I like the conversation that he has with David where David's saying, you know, why, why do you keep building this empire? You know, we have enough money. You have enough power or you're not looking for power. What is it? And he says, money is actually a byproduct. The point is to make the world a better place, to, to increase everyone's life quality a little bit. By inventing this new plastic, not only do we have a cool new plastic, but we also give jobs to people for building the factories and to work in the factories and things like that. And it, it's, it's very Randian, I'd say, lifting up all of society by the produ producer or the industrialist creating something new, introducing it to the market. You really think Rand feels that altruistic about the little homeless boy who doesn't have shoes on? I don't think uh, Linus feels that altruistic about the homeless boy who has no shoes. Alright, so then that's really not his great motivation for it. It's not the motivation, but it's, it's a conceptual understanding. Hey, look, I've made the world a better place. Whether whether it's that kid in the in the street or whether it's just that I've elevated all of society up to the next level by introducing my new super cool plastic, and if I make a cool you know few million dollars in the in the process, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, you know I don't have a whole lot else. I, when when Sabrina comes back from from France, I like the little game she's playing with David, where she's like you know. Yeah, I live on your street. You don't recognize me, kind of thing. Um, but the the David character in in the first version is a, a real jerk. I, he is the most he's slimy. classless person. Yeah, I think I've, I can think of portrayed in in film. Yeah. I, I do not like David at, at all. There's in no, there's either no one. Yeah, he he doesn't do anything. He just exists to have fun. <laughs> He's the They're, foil? Yeah, he he provides nothing to society or the people around him at all. 
Yeah, so it, it's, you know, we, we get, I feel like we get a stronger sense of just how slimy David really is in the 1954 version where his fiance is there at the party and he intentionally spills something on her so he can usher her off to the bathroom and then go and dance with Sabrina. By the way, they, the way they were dancing, that did not look like a fun way to dance. I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm never going to think dancing is fun. So I, as I was going to say, I, you know, I'm not one that's like, Oh, Hey, let's go dancing. I, you know, Aaron, as our cultural correspondent, your thoughts on dancing? Like, for the French or just in general? <laughs> Let's start with the French. Excellent. <laughs> Go Sorry, on. With the French? Yes. <laughs> it's more of a club kind of thing for them. Club kind of thing. Yeah. And everyone else? A, a discotheque, uh, as it were. <laughs> I think that's a Spanish word for it. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, Aaron. As for everyone else, the Lindy's pretty fun. The Lindy's Lindy. pretty fun. We've heard it here. That's great. Joey, let's move on quickly. Um, okay, so I I like the way... Linus manipulates David into sitting on the glasses. Yeah, he's a punk for doing that. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. You know, he sees him in his back pocket, and you can see him start to scheme. He's like, no, yeah. no, no, just sit down. Just sit down for a second. <laughs> I don't know how you don't feel those as you're going down and, you know, dive to the side or stand back up or something. Well, you can't really turn one way or the other because he's got him in both pockets. He's been drinking a lot of champagne. That's true. He has been drinking the champagne. Um, okay, so, you know, uh, David gets his rear end injured, and to, to quote-unquote comfort him, <laughs> Linus comes home with this hammock that he has invented with a, a hole right in the middle of it. I don't know if you saw that part. I, I don't think I did. Hilarious. It's so funny. Because they, they string the thing up, and he gets in the hammock, and the hole is right where his sword behind is. And he's sitting in it, and at one point in the conversation, he falls down through the hole, and he's got his arms and his legs up through the hole. <laughs> Super, it's like, this is the like, most ridiculous thing. I don't know who it was. It was like, you know what would be really funny? <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a funny, funny joke. Um, I don't know there's, you know, there's there's just a few other things. The song, Yes, We Have No Bananas. How was that what he took on a romantic... Boat cruise, you know, with Sabrina. I don't know. Let's let's ask our cultural correspondent. The French find bananas very erotic. It's it's a <laughs> sensual kind of thing. <laughs> this is a family show. Heavens, <laughs> uh, it's um, really our fault. <laughs> So you have David who never noticed Sabrina and Sabrina who never noticed Linus. You know, he, he says that he's like, he's, he's always liked her, always liked Sabrina. Uh, I don't know how intense that emotion was necessarily, but it's clear she never really noticed him. But to be fair, 
I don't think Linus has ever noticed himself as a whole person. He is a function. I go run the business. That's what I do. And that's all I've ever been defined by. My that's whole what life. he chooses to define yes. himself as. Yes. Because he has the conversation with uh, David where he's, David's like, well, look, fine. You go and marry this woman if it's so important to the company. He's like, what? If I did that, I'd have to bring along two secretaries and it names off all of these other people. And he's like, I, I, I wouldn't, that wouldn't be fair to her. I would, you know, I'm married to this. This is my marriage here. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think he's chosen that. Absolutely. Clearly yeah. in his life. Um, the last note I have here... Oh, I have two more. I'm sorry. Uh, I want to start with uh, going back to her uh, the chauffeur again, Mr. Fairchild. I, I agree with you that he's kind of a... He's not a great example of humanity. You know, He, he tells his daughter, democracy can be a very unfor- unfair thing. No one ever called a poor person democratic... For marrying someone rich, you know, he so he's he's a socialist, I guess. Well, I think in that situation, what he was trying to get across is: look, you're not going to be seen of as as great. You're not going to raise up at all. You're still going to be seen as the chauffeur's daughter. Linus, on the other hand, is going to be able to be seen as: oh, look how egalitarian this man is. He, you know, he's not so. Uh, you know, stuffed shirt that he couldn't marry the chauffeur's daughter. You know, he's not after a socialite. He. I'm just saying, why, really why is that what matters to the dad? You know, why isn't... I think in his twisted view, he's trying to spare her the the judgmental attitudes that are going to come from all of the other people she's that she's going to deal with. Yeah. And that's just, it's not going to be a pleasant thing for her. To, to have to deal with. Okay. That's uh, that's what I walked away with. Okay. The the very last note I have is, you know, when they're when Linus and Sabrina are dating, um, first of all, it's a pretty flimsy storyline. Uh, yeah, I would that agree with that. Linus is dating her for David? I mean, they don't really give us any reasoning on why she would be going out with Linus when she's so in love with David. And Linus doesn't even try to give him... He's just like, hey, I'm going to take you out to dinner, okay? Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I found that a little flat. There, there's a scene where they're driving back from one of the dates, and Audrey Hepburn is sitting, and she's singing to Humphrey Bogart as he's driving down the road. I've had a recurring dream, and it's usually in black and white, where I'm driving that car, and Audrey Hepburn is sitting next to me and singing that song. Dang it. I was really hoping you were sitting in Audrey Hepburn's position <laughs> singing, singing to, Hun- to Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> no. Could you have that dream, please? Because that would be great. I probably will now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pete, you got anything else about the 1954 version that you wanted to mention? Um, no. I, I enjoyed the comedy. It was very... Actually, pretty decent for a 1954 thing. I think what my point is, it carries forward as the years go go by. It's still funny stuff. Yeah, uh, and, and it's enjoyable. Other than that, no. Uh, I, the, the trouble I have, I think, with Humphrey Bogart as Linus is he's not attractive. <laughs> I don't know how anyone could ever look at him and think. That's an attractive man. Someone could fall in love with that. 
Um, especially, you know, Audrey Hepburn or Sabrina in this case. I, I just don't see it. <laughs> he just he carries off the the businessman Linus part too well, and you don't ever get. I don't think there's ever really a proper view of Linus as a real human being. I think I, that's all I think about is this, you know, emotionless face that is all about business. Yeah. So that that's the only part of it that I don't really care for too much is the, is Humphrey Bogart. Okay. Maybe if they had somebody else. I, I'm okay with Bogey. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I have to say out of the two versions, the 1954 one is the one I prefer. Mostly because it's Sabrina's story. The name of the movie is Sabrina. Audrey Hepburn carries this film, in my opinion. She... she carries the whole cast through to the execution of, of a wonderful film uh and we'll you know i'll respond in, in agreed i I, I, I wouldn't disagree with you at all i, I think she does a, a wonderful job in it and uh, she's timeless and classic in that movie 100 percent um so the 1995 version okay this is 40 years yep from the original and i'm really glad they made this movie I think it reintroduced the movie of Sabrina to a new generation. A new generation, absolutely. And it's a it's a good story worth retelling. Um, it's I, I want to be careful that I'm not comparing here, but I just wanted to say Julia Ormond is a beautiful woman. Mm. I find her attractive. I think Audrey Hepburn is more attractive. Okay. And I think Lauren Holly is more attractive than they all. The red-haired woman that David is engaged oh, okay. to. Okay. Dynamite. Uh, give, me, I, give me Audrey. I, I have never I have been really attracted to redheads. <laughs> Lauren Holly breaks that mold. Well, except for Easy. yourself. I'm not a redhead. My ha- I have blonde hair. Mm. This is just my beard. I just always assumed it was the same color on top. No, sir. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Um, and so I think Lauren Holly wins the award for hot chick uh, in uh, both of these movies. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Audrey. I'm just say. Okay. Mention one thing in my defense. Boobs. Okay. Audrey doesn't have any. I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there's an interesting wrinkle in the story, or at least at least one, right off the bat. The father is dead. Yeah, I kind of like that. I like that because it gives a meaning for why Linus is so heavily involved in the company, you know, versus you know just the fact that his dad has kind of stepped aside, and so Linus is now taking over. No, Linus has been having to do this now for a very long time. And that's now why he does it. So for me, it makes it more palatable. I actually feel like maybe they did that so that the mother had a more of a chance to shine as a character. Because <laughs> I, I love her. She was hilarious. She was so deadpan in so many places. <laughs> oh, it was so awesome. What, what was the line that she has? Um, oh, 
Oh well, I can't find it. It, it doesn't really. Are you talking about at the end where she's like, "No, it was it was towards the beginning. It's it's not important." I never but taught it, you that. She she has so many of those one-liner zingers that were just home runs. Yeah. Every single time she and the look on her face as she delivered them, perfect. Just yep. classic, classic. Okay, uh, I've already mentioned I don't like David, so cross that one off the list. But I like Greg Kinnear as David. I. I yeah, I, I I think so. I I wish we had a woman here on the pod, Aaron. David uh, Greg Kinnear versus William Holden. H- handsome man, do you think? The the nineteen ninety five uh-huh. version is definitely a better looking man. Okay, we've heard it here first from the intern <laughs> and our French correspondent consultant. Sorry. Um, yeah, I... <laughs> if you're willing to send me over there, I, I... <laughs> no, you have to get over there on your own, oh, I see. and then correspond with us. <laughs> uh, anyway, Greg Kinnear, I think, does a good job, and I think there's yeah. more for him to do than than there was for William Holden. Will the, yeah, William Holden. Thank you. Um, he unfortunately just doesn't seem that attractive. Now, I, I suppose. This Sabrina is supposed to be a little girl, and she's always been in love with David. So this has been a crush, and so for her, she's seeing this through her childhood eyes of this perfect person. So I guess David doesn't have to be, you know, that super good looking. I just don't. You you don't think Kinnear is is attractive women? I think you're wrong. I I think he has a Rob Lowe effect on women. Oh, Rob Lowe is ten times the man Greg Kinnear is. <laughs> you know, it, it was worth it for that reaction yeah. just to make that assertion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I like Linus's hat in this movie. The the bowler type hat. Okay. To the point that I might be willing to start wearing that if I could find a really decent hat. But I, who makes hats like those anymore? Oh, I'll find you one. If you'll wear it, I'll find it. <laughs> Well, I'd like to try it on first. I'm not buying it <laughs> over the internet. That's not going to happen. Um, we'll find a hat maker. Okay, now, there was a line that was used. There were a few lines that were recycled between the two of them. I'm going to mention a few. Okay. Um, the You guys work Sundays now? It's Wednesday, David. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, hilariously delivered in both movies. Yeah. I thought they did a great job with that. Um Let's see here. Oh, David, sit down. Yeah, he was mean there. Okay. I wanted to talk briefly about what what Sabrina gets to do. She gets to travel abroad to France. Now, in the 95 version, it's over the generosity of Maud, yes. who is sending her across. I'm assuming they're giving her some sort of stipend to be able to live there, and she's found a job for her. Yeah. So in the 95 version, she is helping out in a modeling studio or with photography. I think a modeling studio, and she just meets that guy who's the photographer a lot. Um, It is, for me, one of the most awesome things that I got to go and live in Scotland for two years. Yes, I was a missionary, and I had a purpose to preach the gospel, but... Uh, Lo and behold, some other cultural things happened while I was there, (laughs) as it turned out. And it was wonderful. Like, I got to get a wonderful education that I just don't think people can get in a college or 
just living in their own hometown. Interesting. There is a, a, a real blessing and joy that can come from being in another culture, being totally immersed and dealing with that, that I don't think you can get anywhere else. Okay. And I really think that people ought to take the opportunity to be able to experience that. Now, granted, you can't move away for several months and, and do that. I, I realize it's, it's probably difficult, but... If you can, if you have the opportunity, I think you should take it. Now, this is a question I wanted to ask you, because I don't know. In the 54 version, Sabrina's gone for two years. Yeah. So she leaves, and when she's 20, she comes back, she's 22. In this one, I got the sense that she was really only gone for a few months. Like a summer. Yeah, like a summer job. And it just didn't seem like one could grow up that fast, (laughs) unless... Just getting a haircut really makes one grow up. Yeah, well, she you know, did. she she got the short haircut and so all of a sudden became, you know, uh, an adult woman. Yeah, that's and, what adult women do. And she also didn't have the, I don't know, I, I don't see the relationship with the photographer being as beneficial to Julie Ormond as the relationship with the Baron would have been to the Audrey oh, Hepburn version. As far as like gaining the self confidence and changing your bearing, it, it and was like that. different. It was a different kind of thing because with her, uh, sorry, the '95 her, um, she it's all about being in love and getting past this, you know, recognizing what it means to be in love and and all of that stuff. I think it's different. What I'm saying is I don't see it changing the way she carries herself, like her mannerisms, the way. The two years around the Baron, or the extended period, however long it was, around the Baron, clearly changed the way Sabrina behaves, mannerisms and and posture and bearing and things like that. Mm. Well, that's just France. <laughs> well, this is coming from Aaron. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I, I can't argue we with did that this. logic. <laughs> you got to make sure if you go over there, don't ever walk outside the airport because you're gonna walk, you know walk back in and. <laughs> <laughs> Different bearing, haircuts. <laughs> so they just like accost you as you walk down the street. No, no, no. You need a French haircut. Come here. <laughs> um, okay. Sabrina in the 95 version slaps Linus. Yes. After kissing. Did after she kissing do her. that in the 54 version? No, she didn't. Okay. All right. I, I actually much prefer the reaction to the kiss in the 54 version because it's just kind of a, what just happened? I think in the 95 version, she's cued in more to the fact that she's kind of getting brushed aside there and Linus is playing her, and that reaction I like better. Okay. Because she's standing up for herself. She's a more confident, solid woman to be able to say, How dare you, sir? How dare you? Um, but eh, Linus is able to smooth things over because he's Harrison Ford. <laughs> I would just want to bring this up now. Harrison Ford makes a much better Linus because he he's got the you know the the serious look to him. But come on, Harrison Ford, that fella's easy on the eyes. <laughs> Am I right, everyone? <laughs> no, self high five, handsome man. <laughs> okay, I, I would like to see a a version where Harrison Ford is Linus and then Humphrey Bogart is the David. <laughs> Like, obviously, there'd have to be some sort of time travel involved for them to be age-appropriate, but still. Free Bogart as David. 
Uh, Sabrina never falls in love with him. Ah, well. That's okay. In your world, it happens. Okay. Joey, have you ever been on a private jet? No, I haven't. Aaron? No. I haven't either. I want to know, like, how much different it is to be in a private jet rather than, you know, a regular jumbo jet. You know, what's interesting is the to compare the the the, the trappings of, of being rich in the, the portrayal of them from 1954 to 1995 and how it went from having a car phone, which was super cool, you know, back then, to, it's 1995, everybody's got a cell phone. <laughs> you have to have a jet now to be cool. <laughs> well, 95, they still, not everybody really did have okay, yeah, cell right. phones. The, if you remember that thing. There was the brick. Yeah, it was the the brick. He did have a car phone, though, still. But I remember he pulled out some contraption that had this yeah. super long antenna. It was like a PDA. Yeah, that was weird. I, and I assume he was checking the stocks yeah. uh, on that. Or browsing the internet. <laughs> the, the CompuServe internet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so while they're on the private jet, Carol keeps interrupting and it really brought up something I wanted to talk about when it's clear that somebody is trying to hit on someone butt out <laughs> I just I had this happen to me I, in one of my classes my uh, I go to a class every uh, uh, Thursday there's a girl that sits there and she's been gone for quite a, several weeks and she came back this 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 one week, and I was like, "Oh, hey, how are you? Welcome back!" And I haven't seen you in so long. This is the first time we've really had any sort of conversation. So we're talking back and forth. Some woman turns around who is married. She she comes to class with her husband, and interjects into the conversation and completely steers it right away from me. And I remember <laughs> looking at her like, "Ouch!" Uh, are, are, <laughs> what did you do? Why would you do this to me? And uh, there, there went my chance because she hasn't been back in class for since that day. Oh man! And she's a real cute girl. I wanted to get to know her more. Okay. Oh well, I guess I can't. So anyway, point is, if you see someone chatting up the ladies, leave them alone. They don't need you to interject. And whatever well, you what have to I, ask. What if I'm their wingman? No. If they're already chatting, you're done. Fly <laughs> off. Wing successfully mend. Okay. I I don't think this line was in the original, but you'll have to double check me on this. Sabrina's writing with her father, and she asks, what was he like as a child? <laughs> and his response is, shorter. shorter. No, that was not in the original. Oh, such a good line, though. I really enjoyed that. It's actually one of the things that I enjoy the most about the new version is there are several secondary characters that get a lot more depth. Yeah, absolutely. You bring up a really great point. The uh, the additional staff and all of those, I really enjoyed. I thought we they added just the right amount of accent or um, essence uh, of other things that I thought was really good. It helped to show there was another world there, but they weren't brought automatically to the forefront. There was one thing that I didn't enjoy, which was the pseudo-girlfriend that the chauffeur had, 
who is also another servant in the house. Oh, the remains of the day side story? Yes. <laughs> I, I really just didn't think there was any need for that in there. And even the end where he's like, marry me for my money. What? No, I'm not that type of woman. All right, fine. Marry me for love. I thought that was stupid. It didn't need to be there. This is a story about Sabrina and Linus, not the chauffeur and some other person in that household. <laughs> I don't know if you agree or disagree. I disagree, that. actually. I like disagree. That. I like that aspect of it. Again, it just it makes her father more of a of a person. It flushes out her father as, as a person. That just because her mom isn't around doesn't mean he doesn't have passions. He doesn't have emotions. His passion is books. Well, I, but I'm saying it, it. You know, it's just one more shade in the character. Whereas her father is a very one dimensional note in the first movie. In the second movie, he he loves books. He has you know long suppressed feelings for the the head maid or what have you. I I think it, it or whoever what was she? I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I always I think know of her as the head maid because again I'm always going back to remains of the day. And he even makes the joke himself. <laughs> yeah. um, I enjoyed the the staff, but did you notice a younger Paul Giamatti? No, I didn't. He was one of the groundskeepers. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was Paul Giamatti in there. Um, let's see here. Funny line. Secretary explains what a musical is. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, eating with your hands in that Moroccan restaurant, that would be terrible. Um, one of my favorite funny moments was... Linus and, and David are talking, and Linus says, "My life pays for your life." Yes. And, and uh, David says, "I resent that." So do I. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> All right, so the whole love affair is kind of happening in here. I find it a little more believable than I did in the '54 version, but still, it doesn't seem like Linus has ever. S- cared about women that much yeah and he seems like he's just falling right into this stuff real easy and it's sort of like did he take a class for that in harvard or something like that it just seemed like it came too, women. too easy for him uh anyway I, I like though that in the 1995 version they have a, a they have logical reasons for why sabrina continues to interact with linus yes agreed i mean he comes up with something Take pictures of our of our our house out of what was it Martha's Vineyard or something like yeah. that. And then so later in the story, she has to bring the the finished the, photos, the, the to film him. back in. Yeah. And so it's it's great that they actually came up with a reason that they continue to interact. I, I enjoyed how they kept David away as well by just doping him up on drugs. Yes. That was pretty good. <laughs> really? Well, tell him I was you know asking for him. It's like yeah, he was asking for Burton Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> just hilarious how they had him so doped up. Um, doped up in a way that apparently their doctor had a problem with. Yeah. When he's talking about the drugs, he's like, that was never proved. <laughs> <laughs> just just give, him the, give him the two drugs together. It'll yes. be fine. <laughs> okay. Is this in the, the original? Paris is always a good idea. Mm-mm. No? I think it's a great line. Never been to Paris. I have no desire to ever go to Paris, but I love the line nonetheless. Okay. Paris is always a good idea. I think I might tweak that to Scotland is always a good idea. 
Yeah, no, not really. It rains a lot there. <laughs> but still, it's pretty awesome. Um, let's see here. So Sabrina is falling for Linus. Um, and he can't... He's Linus is really kind of starting to fall for Sabrina as well. Yeah. And he finally decides, I can't do this. I, I just can't do this. Wanted to ask Joey. Billion dollar deal on on the line. Could you follow through? Do you think that you could do what Linus couldn't do? Yes, absolutely. So you would sell her off and just say, see you later. The, their, their relationship is so fresh and new. I totally could have walked away from that. Wow, you heartless jerk. <laughs> I lo- you know, that was one of the better lines from the 1995 version. That they referred to him as the world's only living heart donor. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that. I-, I just missed that. He doesn't have a heart. So how can he be a donor? He donated his heart, and yet he's alive. Thank you, Aaron. You finally put it in a perspective that I can understand. What? Why are you laughing? He said the exact same thing. No, he, he didn't. The two words around. He said it better. <laughs> He's got a little class as a French consultant. <laughs> yeah, he's bringing something to this podcast. You'd do well to watch. Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So the same basic storyline at the end plays out that it does. Yeah. Although, this line was awesome. We were up to your elbows in your underwear. It was like touching the Shroud of Turin. <laughs> I was hoping you mentioned that. That is one of the funniest moments of the whole movie. <laughs> oh my gosh. It kind of creeps me out because it sort of seems like she considers this sacred and holy. Yes. <laughs> That's like this or is she very severe old and Yeah, this severe stained. looking woman. Oh gross. <laughs> oh Aaron. No, why would you do that? Oh That's what I got. I was like, oh yeah, because he doesn't pay attention to stuff it, like it's that. Tattered and <laughs> from the fourteenth century, you know. Oh man. I think that I'm with you, Pete. That is one of the funnier because because again, she does it in such a dry delivery. Uh huh. It makes it absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the chauffeur turns out has two million dollars. He's been yep saving up. Good for him. No, I think they imply that in the first movie. Did they, they? Well, they imply that he's listening to the deals. The, the guy's driving, and he he's like he keeps looking like this as he's driving along. Every time Linus is in the back seat on the phone making a deal. You see the driver kind of paying attention to what's going on back there. Was that when he was making a deal, or was it because it was he, when was he was making talking about Sabrina? No, no, no. It's when he was making the deal with, on the car phone. Hmm. Um, I didn't care one way or the other. Good for him. Glad he made some <laughs> millions. That's great. But what I enjoy is the conversation that the father has with Linus, where he basically says, are, are you going to take care of my daughter here? Are you, you really going to be able to to give her what she needs and Linus has to humble himself to the chauffeur <laughs> and uh, I, I enjoyed that and yeah. basically the chauffeur gives his blessing to uh, be able to go after and says she's at this address you, know, you can find her here having the Concord is a much better solution to the she's already on her way problem <laughs> than the tugboat 
Am I wrong? I guess that doesn't translate over super well. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, when we do this again in another 40 or 50 years, uh, I hope that uh, we'll be look fonder on this than, you know, when we have teleporters. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, for me, I enjoy the 95 version more. I think what they added to the story is more enjoyable uh, than what was brought in the 54 version. Now, having said that, I loved Audrey Hepburn. She is super cute in that movie. But I think too many other things were working so much better in the 95 version. I would agree with you that everything else works better in the 95 version. But as the movie is called Sabrina, I think that Harrison Ford absolutely dominates the cast of the 1995 version of Sabrina. I think it could have helped if they would have gotten someone cuter. Maybe. But I, I, I honestly, you know, I honestly think that what they should have done is <laughs> called it Linus. It's called it Linus Larrabee, <laughs> and have like Harrison Ford with his bowler cap tipped, you know, instead Something of Sabrina like yes. with the wide brim cap. <laughs> that I, would be funny. I think that's what they should have done. <laughs> that would be a travesty, dude. <laughs> that would really be terrible. I don't think Julia Ormond did anything bad to hurt the role or the memory of Sabrina. I so I, I maybe you're you are gonna go that far, but I think she's still portrayed it in a in a reasonable way. I don't think she did anything bad. I don't think she did anything good either. She just she kinda of disappears in this film for me. Hmm. I you know, I, I Well you've heard it here fr- first, Joey is fascinated and fixed upon Harrison Ford. <laughs> you know, I, well, I actually have to the cast. I have to apologize to my wife because in talking to her before we watched them, I said, no, I, I like the 1954 version better. And she said, why? And I said, well, because you don't even really see Sabrina in the 1995 version. Now, admittedly, it had been probably 10 years since I'd watched this. Like, you know, it's all about Harrison Ford. And we don't see Sabrina as much. After watching it, my wife was right. We see them the same amount. But it's just that Julia Ormond is almost invisible. In this movie. She's not as strong of an actor as Harrison Ford is. I think everyone would agree with that. Um, Plus she's a lot shorter when she's behind him. (laughs) It is invisible. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's how I feel about the movie. And that's it. Okay, rating. 1954 version. I give it a 54. Out of... No. 95? I wasn't planning to do any ratings oh, okay. for these. I, I don't have anything. We didn't do one for the Sting, so I didn't Oh, didn't we? No. Why did I write one down? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but you're welcome to give a rating. I, there's no reason to stop you from doing it. Uh, I give the 1954 version a 9. It's probably right. near the top of my favorite movies of all time. Mm. And yet, I couldn't go that Your high. rating is a lot lower than pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Humphrey Bogart just... I, I give the 95 version probably an 8. You know, Again, it's the fact that I just I don't find the main character memorable as memorable. The, the nice thing that I like about both of these movies is that they are completely family friendly. Yes. There is eh, maybe a little bit of stuff on the edge, but it's it, I would feel completely comfortable showing either of these versions to uh, small children. To your children. I was, I was hoping you would go there. Yeah. 
Pete, will you please come down and show it to my children? You just said you're comfortable with it. <laughs> I think you have a French consultant who would be much more apt to be. Yeah, able he's to not do comfortable it. with it. You are. <laughs> really, Aaron? I'm, I'm really not. Do you think you could get those two to sit and watch a black and white movie? <laughs> yeah, that's all about people talking. Yes. <laughs> when does something happen? Um. Okay. Okay, well, next week, second half of Dueling Bookcast. Week after, we start Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. So get access to the DVDs, watch it on Netflix somehow. You know, other means that we've discussed vaguely before. Uh, look, look forward to tackling that. Is it Aaron that needs the microphone pointed at him the most? What am I missing? Nothing. You just complete me. Because <laughs> you're the same one? <laughs> you ready? I am. We've been recording all this time. Turn that, start that damn thing over. I will cut it before I give it to you. You don't always do that. I will do it this time. Why... I, I, I want you saying you complete me. <laughs> I don't want to lose that. That's gold. <laughs> we got to put that on as like, we, we got to do a little outtake this week. Okay. Just for that. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Home Starmy Presents Trek West 5. We hope that you've learned something, had some laughs, and we always invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com or you can tweet us at hashtag trekwest5 or call and leave us a voicemail at 801-788-4913 so until next time I am Joey and I am Peter and thanks for listening